What is up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host, your professor and your chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. I am so excited for you to hear today's show with Max Brown. It's an absolute legendary episode. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I mean that. I mean, every single show we put out here is meaningful, but this one was extraordinarily special as Max shares his story from being a high school phenom, the number one recruited quarterback out of high school, and his career did not pan out, and he's actually regarded by some as the biggest bust. So he talks about that experience and how he is moving forward past football and creating a bright future for himself. So I'm so excited for you to hear Max's story. And before we dive into the show, I just want to show some love to our two sponsors. And it's fitting because these two companies are literally the way I start and end my day. And the first one is Purity Coffee. I am a coffee snob and uh, some people are beer snobs, some are wine snobs. I'm a fucking coffee snob, I admit it. But Purity Coffee literally is the highest quality, most conscious, organic coffee on the market. And not only is it super sustainable, but it's delicious. And you can get hooked up with a 20% discount by heading to puritycoffee.com. Just use the code Coach Jeremy. Again, you know that I don't promote any product, any person that I don't strongly believe in. And I've been having purity every single morning for the last seven or eight months at this point. So super excited to partner with Purity. And yeah, they are unreal. Like they are really, really dope. And every part of their company is done with integrity, which I really love. Um, And then also it's Santa Cruz Medicinals. I connected with the founder of this company, Brendan. He is such a cool individual and so aligned with the vision here at Thrive University. And I've shared this before, but I've tried CBD in the past. I probably tried five or six different companies, different formulas, but none of them really impacted me in a profound, powerful way until I tried the CBD infused deep sleep caps that they have at Santa Cruz Medicinals. They also have these unbelievable tinctures of CBD with different flavors. There's guava, there's French vanilla, there's mango. They're all delicious and they all work. Most importantly, they're super effective. Again, highest quality packaging and sourcing to really be sustainable with the planet. So head over to scmedicinals.com and again, use Coach Jeremy for that discount. Give these products a try, guys. I mean, it's a new year, which means it's a new opportunity to elevate your health and wellness. Again, you can also find the links in the show notes, but that's enough of me rambling. Let's get to today's show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast, where we are on a mission to empower you and inspire you with all of the things, all the shit that you wish you would have learned in school. And there's no better 
person to bring on than today's guest, my guy, Max Brown. And Max is a former quarterback at USC and Pittsburgh. He's regarded by some as the biggest bust in college football history and now uses his social channels to talk about dealing with not living up to expectations in this very connected and public world that we live in. Max is currently 25 and finding his way in the next phase of life. Max, welcome to the show, my dude. Hey, it's great to be here. I appreciate that intro too. Usually uh, people kind of dance around the harsh realities of my situation. So I uh, respect and like how you went uh, went right at it. But uh, no, I'm great, man. How about yourself? Dude, I'm super stoked for this conversation. And one of the things that immediately drew my attention about you was the authenticity and the vulnerability which you share your story. And the place that I want to start today is I, I listened and I heard that the book, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search of Meaning, was something that had a big impact on you. Can you just talk a little bit about that before we dive deeper into your story? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, so that, that book, um, it, that book's impact is more kind of what it symbolizes in my life. It kind of symbolizes, uh, honestly, the, the toughest stretch of my life up until this point. You mentioned I'm 25 years old, but in the fall of uh, 2016, when uh, basically my playing career at USC just didn't work out, um, and we we can get into that or whatever, but uh, the, where that book comes into play is I went and saw a sports psych um, and uh, was proactive there and was down in the dumps and uh, as it was was at a point where I needed help. And that was the one book during my first session that the uh, psychologist uh, prescribed to me or suggested to me, whatever the word is. And uh, for those that, that don't know, it's a very heavy book. It's about uh, a um, the, the concentration camps during the Holocaust. And it, it's about a, a man's search for meaning. And when everything around you feels like it's, uh, it's shit and it's terrible and not to equate my scenario to the Holocaust because it's not, it's totally different. But I would say it's a, it's at least a similar thread in terms of the mentality of where uh, I was at in life. Once again, it's not the Holocaust, but it was a, it was a good kind of perspective and allowing to um, relate for lack of a better term to kind of the the mentality that uh, Victor was in. Mm, Yeah, that's powerful. I actually had the chance to visit the concentration camps in Poland, bro, like a decade ago. And that shit is just so heavy. So I appreciate you sharing. Um, now, before we get into your career at SC, I want to talk a little bit about pre-SC and all of the hype surrounding you. And I believe you were the Gatorade player of the year, your senior year of high school in the Seattle area. How were you able to manage all of that attention at such a young age and just talk about some of the ramifications of that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and to, to me to start, it's, it's kind of funny because I'll get variations of that question a bunch. And there's part of me that I didn't know any different. And, and what kind of what I mean by that is as you get older, the, your, your perspective gets wider and wider. But for me at five years old, like my family was well known in the community. My brother was a big time quarterback in the community. Like I, I knew I had a lot of gifts. I was, I was, in, on many of my teams, the, the, the best athlete on my team, I was kind of the guy that had to go and win the baseball game or, or, or score 30 points in a basketball game or do that. And so from a very early age, I mean, we're talking first, second, third, fourth grade, 
like that pressure and it's all relative, but I, I felt like that was just part of like who I was. And so as you get older and that middle school pressure because, or that the pressure middle school becomes, Hey, are you going to be the next high school quarterback in the community? And then when you get to high school for me and my story, I had to replace the, uh, the number one quarterback in the country um, back in 2010. And so he was like the dude, the five-star guy. And so from a very early age, like, or like now we're talking ninth, 10th grade, like I didn't know a life, without it. And that's a lot of what I speak to today is having been in that, 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 that pressure environment. And now that the, the, the spotlight's maybe not on me, kind of how do you translate that and use those tools that a lot of people never, ever have to deal with? How do you use that in the, in the next, uh, the next life? But to answer your direct question, I don't know if I have an exact kind of, kind of toolkit, but to me, I, the best way I can answer is I just didn't know life without it. It was a responsibility. It was something that I felt like I was born with a lot of gifts and a lot of things that I'm very blessed and fortunate to have. And I felt like internally there was something in me that felt responsible to make the most of those tools and those gifts. And uh, that was kind of always the the inner driving force with me at five and at 15 and at 25 as well. Mm, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And obviously a huge part of your identity was in a way stripped away from you, um, which I think is something... I know all athletes have to deal with that at an early age, but my question is, I know, and I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name. It was one of your teammates in high school, I believe, Nick Splendorio. Yep. Perfect. It's my, my best friend. Hey, he, he said in one of these videos I watched that you were the most competitive guy he had ever met. And I'm curious to know post athletics, how have you been able to channel that competitive spirit? <laughs> yeah, no, like that's like my best friend. So it's funny. It's the first time I've ever been on a podcast where someone's directly mentioned. I know the exact interview you're talking about. It was a cool, uh, cool thing. And I remember, I'll never forget. We we're in like fourth grade, funny story. And there was a, the biggest three on three basketball tournament in the world is in Spokane, Washington. And Nick and I yes, always grew up. Fest. Uh, yeah. Hoop fest. And we always grew up going to that. And uh, I remember like, I, like threw a kid down on the pavement, not like maliciously, but just being competitive in basketball. I remember like fourth grade Nick or fifth grade Nick's brother, like we got into it. And he was like, dude, you got to chill, man. Like, this is crazy. And I, I remember that to this day, as kind of a driving point. I was like, one, I was like kind of wired differently. And Nick's a competitive dude in his own right. He's one of the most competitive dudes I know. But I remember looking back like, man, this is weird. Like I, I was wired at an early age where like, I, I remember going to Hoop Fest, like if I didn't win the, 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 the championship, like, oh, my parents wouldn't come back the next year. And it was this weird thing. And that competitive drive was some health. It's, 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 the root is healthiness, but it's something that uh, ultimately, uh, I don't know, he, he, he called me out on, which I'm, uh, I'm appreciative of. But uh, that competitive drive is the key question when you talk about trans transitioning out of uh, athletics. And the harsh reality is, I don't think I'll ever get back to that competitive element that I had during football. I think that's the reality of what it is. And I'm big on not trying to spin things to make yourself feel better or try to look at things like in a certain way and kind of spin it, I guess. I'm big on not doing that. And I think part of me is being real of like, hey, I, I might not ever get that competitive drive back with football, but what I can do is I've been in that fire and how do I transition that fire into the next aspect of life and for me like i've gotten on a on a peloton craze the last month and for me like <laughs> seeing that that leaderboard like that competitive i know that dude on that leaderboard has not been in those 6 a.m workouts has not done those navy seal workouts and that 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 uh, that thread uh has its way in all aspects of life with business showing up early staying late doing the tasks that other people don't want to do 
um, all those little things, uh, I think I translate from football and that competitive mentality into my life uh, now a little bit. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I can imagine how challenging that would be to try to reenact some of that same energy. And, and that's the journey you're on right now, bro. I mean, on, on, from what I've seen at, at, at a young age, you're finding ways to tap into that, which is beautiful. Uh, I'm curious to know as well, um, in, in relation to, in relation to your career at Skyline, like how much of the hype and how much of the recognition do you feel like you were worthy of? Um, like what was the competition like? Because, you know, I grew up or I just spent six years in Miami. So I've seen what high school football is like there. And then obviously a place like Southern California, where you have all this talent coming out. So do you feel like you were the best player? You were the best quarterback? Because there were some other guys, right? Like was Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff in your high school class? They were. Yeah. And, and, uh, Jared was uh, a top guy on the West coast, wasn't recruited as much, but, uh, and, and Baker was, I mean, everyone kind of knows Baker's story had a few offers, but then went the walk on route. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, humbly, yes. And, uh, that, that's, that's kind of a big part of my story now is for those that, that don't know my backstory, like I was supposed to be the next Peyton Manning. Like that's the, that's the guy that everyone kind of like that, that, that was the, the, the talking point, I guess you could say. And obviously my career didn't work out. And naturally I get questions all the time of, well, why didn't it work out? Were you not good enough? Maybe you went to a weaker height or you're, are you from a weaker, uh, weaker state and whatnot. And I get all that. I'll wear all that. But, but to a man, I mean, my high school team was legit. We were a top 20 team in the country, putting out D one guys and had a lot of very good high school players, which you don't usually hear. And I'm wary of that as a public school in the, in the Seattle area, but uh, it was legit. We did a lot of good things. I was grateful to have a lot of good teammates, but, um, yeah, I think it's easy to look back and be like, oh yeah, like maybe the, the ratings were wrong. And I think there's, there certainly is something to be said about that. Was I the next Peyton Manning? No, obviously not. Things didn't work out, but I do think looking back that from an early age, I put in the work, uh, necessary to earn that, um, that reward and that honor. And, had a bunch of unreal, uh, unreal teammates as well that uh, deserve a lot of credit and that reward as well. Yeah. And it's interesting because before I kind of dove in deeper to your story, I was like, did this dude like just get to SC and get brought in by the frat scene? Like the girls, was he snorting lines? Was he just, was he just full of himself in that capacity, which oftentimes is the case when you have so much, uh, so much love around you, so much recognition and praise at an early age. But from all accounts, like you were busting your ass day in and day out and putting in the reps. And I'm curious to know, uh, your first year at SC, I, be I believe there's four different head coaches, right? Yeah, there were three. But uh, over the course of all four years at USC, I had four. But yeah, three head coaches that first year. So it would... And my intuition tells me that that type of volatility would also take a toll on you in terms of like the lack of consistency. Yeah. Uh, I mean, lot, lot to unpack there for sure. I think that first chunk you said is one of the hardest parts for me to stomach, for my loved ones to stomach, for when I'm in these podcasts of trying to explain, because you're right. Usually when five-star guys don't work out, it's a, it's a sex, money, drugs, something, something went wrong. Like they, they got off the track and that is most of the time the deal. 
for me, I genuinely look back and I say this humbly, but I, I feel like I did everything necessary to have success. And I know when I say that people are going to be like, oh, like, come on, there's always something more you could do. And you're right. You can always do another rep. You can always, always do another rep. But I prided myself and hung my hat on my work ethic. And that made it that much harder when things didn't work out to be like, I don't know why they didn't work out. There isn't a great answer. I literally was in a job interview yesterday. I'm not even kidding you where someone asked me a verbiage of that same exact question. And it's weird there because I feel arrogant sitting there saying, no, I felt like I did everything I needed to do, but that's the truth. And I feel obligated to say the truth because I know there's other people out there like me in their own lane that also feel like they put in the work to get to a specific college or get a job or date a certain person or whatever, and things don't work out. And oftentimes people kind of say, oh, well, there's always something you could have done and all that. And self-reflection is key, don't get me wrong, but I, I do always kind of feel obligated to uh, to speak my truth in that regard a little bit. And I, I forgot the second part of what you were saying. So I'm happy to, oh, the, the coaches, I'm happy to touch on that as well a little bit. No, what, what was the job interview that you had yesterday? Yeah, so that's why that's what's cool. It's talking a lot about, or, or talking in, in this phase. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to uh, get into commercial real estate. And so a lot of your, your question about competition and all that, like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm only two years removed from football. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, an arena to channel that. My last two jobs, it wasn't as much there. I'm looking for more, looking for a little bit more competitive, uh, higher stakes environment. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a job for a commercial real estate firm out here in Southern California. Hell yeah, bro. I'm excited to see how that goes. Well, you, I know you were doing, you were recently helping out Lewis Howes at, at the School of Greatness. And then before that, right, in New York, you were doing stuff with Team Gary V. So those both seem like incredible opportunities to just soak up and absorb knowledge from two of the greats that are doing it right now. So what are some of the valuable lessons? First off from Gary V, the fucking guy, um, what were some of the biggest things that you learned just being in that grind uh, from him? Yeah. And uh, as we're filming this podcast, you got the, you're going to die three of the most inspirational world words uh, poster behind your left shoulder. And uh, it's stuff like that, that uh, that's a big reason why I, I was fortunate enough to have people in my network that I was able to get an opportunity working for him. It wasn't some lavish deal. It was a minimum wage job. I moved up and uh, went long distance relationship, packed up my stuff and, and moved out to New York and, and made it happen. But um, I was a big fan of his stuff. I think his message is awesome. It's something I related to. And uh, I think the, the first thing that I learned by, by, by working for him. And I think you can learn a lot just from watching his YouTube videos. Like I still do today. Like that's, that's it's learnings in its own, but Gary is as efficient as uh, any worker or leader um, that I've, I've known. And I think a lot of people point to Gary, they think hustle mentality, they think perspective and all those. And those are, those are true. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit more unique is, I mean, Gary is so efficient with his time, efficient with his schedule. And I think that bleeds off to his team. It bleeds off to, to me, uh, that being my first job ever as a professional of saying, hey, how can I get this done? How can I get a 30 minute task done in 20 and you scale that across your whole day? Like you can do some really big things. Uh, but for those that don't know Gary, I mean, it's the work ethic, it's the perspective, it's the accountability. Um, a lot of people are not fans of Gary because Gary is very blunt and he, and and that rubs people the wrong way. But the reality is the people that it rubs the wrong way probably need to hear Gary's message the most because you need that accountability. You need that, hey, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's a grind, it's a work ethic, but that doesn't mean that it has to be something that's negative. And that's a, that's a big misconception that I think a lot of people have is, 
work ethic means bad. Working hard means bad. No, working hard means a lot, can mean a lot of fulfillment, can mean a lot of happiness, can mean a lot of relationships and a lot of valuable things there. And I think just his mentality, and uh, you're a fan of his, obviously. And I think everything he preaches in his videos, he lives on a day to day basis. And it was awesome to be exposed to that. Also, with all the social media learnings and, and more of the technical stuff as well. How, how long were you there? A full year, literally almost a calendar year. Okay. So, so was one of the reasons you didn't continue the relationship with Victoria, was that long distance taking a toll on you or what ultimately led to that decision? Yeah. Sorry if I misspoke. No, Vic and I are still, uh, still dating. We're still going strong. Uh, but no, we no, I, yeah. What was the reason for, for leaving, for leaving New York and team Gary V? Was it, was it because of the distance taking a toll or you wanted to move forward? Yeah, like a lot of decisions in life, it wasn't just one factor. It was the long distance taking a toll a little bit and more of just a, like, I'm a West Coast guy. I grew up in Seattle, uh, went to school in LA, uh, was in Pittsburgh, and I feel like I'd been traveling a lot during that phase of my life, so I wanted to get back to LA. But then also in a business decision, and I would have no problem telling Gary this as well, I felt like I had quickly tapped into my max um, in terms of where I was at on that team, that team's full of a lot of young leaders. And in terms of growth within that team specifically, um, I felt like I was kind of uh, a little bit behind uh, a lot of people. There were, there were people ahead of me in terms of that and felt like I had some things working for me that I could grow quicker in a different lane and was super grateful for, for Gary's opportunity and whatnot. But I also wasn't a guy that wanted to kind of sit in one role and that sort of thing. Like that was my first job. Ever. At 24, that was my first job ever. And so there was a large part of me that wanted to taste other things and try other things and try to try to make my way. And so great learning opportunity, but had to make a business decision like I'm, I'm sure Gary would himself and uh, like he did with his dad and his wine business and uh, decided to, to go a different route uh, at the beginning of this year. Yeah, dude, when you grow up on the West Coast, it's such a different energy out here. Yeah, and totally. I've never, I've never lived in New York, but I love visiting. But I always tell myself, like this, it's just so fast pace, and yeah. and I don't know how I would hold up there. I think it might eat me alive. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm too nice. Um, uh, it's funny you say that. I love the fast paced environment in New York, uh, but to me, it just came down to like New York. When you have your people there, is awesome. Like, but I didn't have my people. I didn't have any great friends there. I didn't have any family there. I didn't have a girlfriend there and want to get back on the West coast, both great cities, but, uh, want to be close to family. Yeah. That dude, Gary V he has, there's so much duality. And one of the things I've heard you talk about is the idea of not being so hard on yourself. This idea of non-judgment, which I think is really critical. And I know that's something he touches on too. It's like, 100% accountability and ownership of your life, but also don't overjudge yourself in the process because then that's going to lead to burnout, self-sabotage, and these other things. Talk a little bit about non-judgment and what exactly that means to you. You're asking some good questions, brother. I love this. A lot of these points are, uh, are, are right on cue for me. And I love the topic of, of self-judgment or, 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 or trying to put that away because I know for me, at 18, 19 years old, I would always hear that, but I could never relate to that. Like, I was like, stop judging yourself. Like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm not judged. Like, I, it, it didn't process. And then it finally kicked into me in the fall of 2014 
where I was, I wasn't playing my best football for a very long time. And that was something the sports like I was working with on was tell me, stop being so hard on yourself. Stop judging yourself. And it's this fine line of, we talk about the Mamba mentality, rest in peace, uh, Kobe, where he is, he's very hard on himself. Right. And that's that he, 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 he struck a, a healthy balance of pushing himself and pushing himself. But there's a fine line if it gets too far of you're very judgmental of yourself and it starts working against you. And I feel like in that phase of my life, that competitor mentality was doing working against me because I was like, gosh, dang it, Max, why can't you throw that football? Why can't you run that? Why can't you execute that play? Why aren't you playing? I was judging myself really hard and it finally hit me straight in the face. Like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And it was this light bulb that went off or not light bulb that went off, but this realization that um, self-judgment absolutely eats away at you. And that's something that uh, I feel like I'm way better at now. Love how Gary preaches on that. And it, it's such a, it's such a impactful factor. Like these past couple of days, uh, I'm, I've been doing job interviews and whatnot, had a little bit of uh, anxiety in terms of trying to figure it out, but it's like right away is right when I start feeling myself get anxious or worried about kind of what's, what the next step is trying to get a job locked in before the new year. Like you can get frustrated with yourself, but it's max. Don't judge yourself. Just keep putting in good work. Keep doing what you need to do. Chips will fall where, where they may. And that piece but that, that, that comes about as a result of not judging yourself. You can push yourself, but not judging your daily actions, I think is so healthy. Something that the reality is a lot of people struggle with, I think, when they get into darker times. And it's uh, such a key piece that, uh, that Gary really champions in uh, a lot of his content. Yeah. Well, dude, going forward into your interviews, man, I feel like you just continuing to speak your truth in, in such an authentic way, I feel like is a breath of fresh air. Um, so many people are trying to just say what people want to hear. And I think that level of honesty and transparency goes a long way, especially, especially right now, man, like people just need, they need truth and, and love and, and truth is a form of love, not beating around the bush, just being as blunt and, and authentic as possible. So I appreciate you doing that. I know that mindset's brought me a lot of peace in my life and I'm lucky enough where it doesn't being authentic, especially on social media, it doesn't feel like something I'm like trying to do. It just feels like something that's just like, that's what I need to do. Like the idea of like fronting and all that, just like, I'm not even trying to be on my high horse here. It just, it doesn't really relate to me that much. And I think a lot of that has to do with how my playing career played out in which like everything, all my dirty laundry or whatever, all my failures were out there for the world to see. So that mindset has kind of carried over into my social media uh, practices, I guess, but the accountability, the being truthful, being real, brought me a lot of peace and happiness, uh, especially in times the times that uh, were not the were not the greatest in my life. Yeah, and I'm sure you probably have a fair share of friends that are playing on Sundays in the league. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm at that three year point where a lot of my friends are kind of the uh, they're at the inflex point of they had their run and then now they may have just got. Uh, just got cut or kind of one foot in one foot out kind of thing. I'm wondering, are there any conversations happening between you and them or maybe some younger players? Because as you know, when so much of your identity is tied to this one thing and the performance at that one thing, right? Like all of your self-worth is tied into your most recent game. And it's like, yo, like I just threw four tuts. Like I'd be riding that high horse. I come, I walk the campus at SC or high school and like 
you're the big man on campus. But if it goes the other way, it's like, oh shit, like, like all of this love and recognition seems kind of conditional. So what are some tips maybe for athletes now uh, that, that you've learned from to kind of be able to wait, uh, waver that, that storm? Yeah, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy, uh, or important question. And obviously a a tough one. I think it's one of those things where it's a lot of it is, you know, what you should do, but then when it's a matter of, uh, implementing it into your own life, I think some people struggle with it, uh, with a little bit, but I always push guys to, I mean, don't have your identity tied up in your sport. And once again, that's easy for me to say. And a lot of times guys have heard that, but it's a different beast when you're having to implement it into your own life. But uh, I just push guys to always have perspective with it. I mean, the reality is, like, I didn't step foot in the NFL. I wasn't even close to the NFL. But but I think a lot, when you look at my teammates and where I'm at relative to a lot of my teammates that were in the NFL, people say, oh, Max, you got some things going for you. Well, the reason that's the case is because you kind of take the long, long-term approach. And, hey, whether you were in the NFL for a year, three years, 13 years – like it's going to end for everyone and time heals a lot of things for better or for worse. Uh, the 2016 season, like that would at USC, which was not my favorite, like that's in the rear view, rear view mirror at in 2017. That was like, Oh my gosh, it's never, it's always going to live, uh, live on me, live over me and all that. And then 2020, it's not that big of a deal anymore. And, and so I think I pushed guys for better or for worse. It, it kind of moves, uh, things move on a little bit, but uh, those tips are tricks. I think part of me, when I hear that asked, it's like, there isn't, I don't look at it as like, there's like a hack or like, Hey man, like, here's what you need to do. Or like, think about this. I just think of it more of an overall life approach of like, Hey, you know, the deal, enjoy it while you're in it. Enjoy those touchdowns, enjoy those wins, enjoy those success, but don't tie up your identity to that because you know, right. Hey, look at that guy over there. Look at, the guy, look at Cam Newton, like you can always come up with an example of they come back down to earth. And then at the end of the day, it's going to come back to how you treated people and what your life resume is in terms of when you go back and ask for help and ask for resources and try to get the next job. Like it's all tied together and that's a jumbled answer. And I'm, I'm getting long winded a little bit, but there's just so many factors that go into that answer that uh, there's no one specific way to attack it. No, for sure. Uh, and I mean, it seems like regardless of everything else, you got a free education at a super dope school, right? You have like friends for life and you met the girl of your dreams. So shit, man, like I went to University of Oregon. I'm a Pac-12 boy too. And I mean, that tuition costs probably 150 grand for like this piece of paper. So, there you um, go. so I mean, that's the perspective right there. Like you got a free education, you got these lifelong lessons that you're just going to use to create that momentum in your life. No doubt. And uh, I, I will push back uh, a little bit because you're totally right. You didn't say anything I disagree with, but I also level with like, there's a lot of people that talk to me about my story of when I am harsh and I say, Hey, no, I failed at my football career. Like I didn't get it done. You mentioned it in the intro. I'm, by some publications, the biggest bust in college football, or at least one of the biggest busts the last decade. And so when people try to tell me, oh, well, Max, you got a great education. Like I respect that, but that's not, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to be in the NFL. And I respect guys that 
hey, that might be harsh, and I'm not naive to how blessed I was to go to USC. Don't get me wrong. But I also know that the mentality, when that's the expectation and that's what you're waking up every every day to attack and it doesn't happen, that there's some pain there. There's some hardship. And I know know you know this, but I, I push back a little bit because in my life, I know a lot of people have framed their response like that. And it doesn't relate to me. I know it doesn't relate to a lot of people with whatever your goal is, right? It's, hey, I wanted to get into Harvard. I didn't get it. And I went to wherever. Like, that's going to sting. And I think, yes, have the perspective to still be wary that, hey, you still had a great option or you still, like, life had its plan. But I think it's healthy to acknowledge and not try to spin it in your brain that things didn't work out because it allows you to take accountability for that and then move forward with a cleaner, a cleaner uh, uh, vision in my experience and how it relates to, to my life personally. Yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciate that honesty. I think, I think everything you mentioned, especially like you're the one with this human experience. So there's only so much perspective I can have on what you're experiencing. What are some of the things that you do now to really almost reprogram your subconscious mind? Because Mike, I know you mentioned you were working with a psychologist starting, uh, I think you said freshman year or sophomore year at, at SC. But what are some of the things, maybe some of the practices you have that really help you uh, instill this mindset and belief to keep moving forward, as you say? Yeah, um, it, it's funny. And, and maybe I'll need to take a page out of your book. But the reality is, I don't really have um, daily like meditation or daily things that uh, that that I that I do uh, like tangible things. I think a lot of where where I'm wired today is constantly looking back on those experiences and um, like making it a point to remind myself to use those experiences in the here and now to explain it a little bit differently. I think oftentimes, right, people go through experiences and then better for good or for bad, and they're constantly trying to get better, constantly trying to get better, which I absolutely love, but then they don't use that learning or use that experience in their here and now. Like, no, you just went through that for better or for worse. Let's use that now. Let's use that teaching now. And I think a lot of times, especially, and I see it all the time in the Gary V world, of people constantly trying to learn and pick from Gary and all these things. And Gary will say it in his content, he says, hey, it would make, nothing would make me more happy if you stopped watching my content and actually implemented those things, actually took action on those things. And so it's not apples to apples, but I think there's part of my life of like, hey, no, I went through that shit. Like it sucked. And now I'm gonna try to end my life right now have perspective that it's not like the, the 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 times in 2016 or the shoulder surgery, like it might suck to wake up tomorrow at 6 a.m., but it's not as bad as ripping your shoulder out of the circuit, uh, out of the socket. Like that type of mentality is, I guess, how I try to wire myself just on a, on a day-to-day basis. But um, I don't necessarily have, and this is where I could be better, like a established time in the day where I'm thoughtful on it. I just try to have it be, I try to have mindful mindfulness be a trait that I have rather than a state that I need to get into. And that's kind of how I look at it a little bit there. What up podcast fam? I'm sorry to interrupt today's show, but I am super 
excited because I am finally accepting new applications for my 12-week one-on-one coaching program. In this program, we are going to take your health, your habits, your happiness to the next level. And guess what? You're going to have my personal number. I'm going to be holding you accountable every step of the way, calling you out on your shit, but also showing you the love that you need and deserve. So if this sounds like something that you want to step into, then I encourage you to DM me the word thrive at coach Jeremy 305 on Instagram. DM me the word thrive on Instagram if and only if you are ready to unleash your full potential in 2021. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, 100%. I've always struggled to just like sit still and meditate. I mean, I have a little bit of a meditation practice, but like you said, just being more mindful when you eat, when you connect with someone in front of you, like how present are you being? What's your intention and how much, uh, how much, like you said, how much uh, can you really just instill that in part of your ways of being? Uh, I'm curious to know, going back to that recruiting process uh, in high school, did did you ever like have any interaction with guys like Nick Saban? Because I know Alabama recruited you and Bob Stoops from Oklahoma. I did. Two cool stories uh, with both of them. I remember uh, it was my birthday, probably my junior year of high school, I think it was, or just before. And I was in art class, first period uh, in, at Skyline High School. And uh, my coach came storming in the door and everyone kind of knew who he was. He was a teacher at the school and he kind of looks at my art teacher and like points at me and says, I, I need him. And he said it, he didn't even ask. He was like forceful with it. And I could tell he had this look on his face. I could tell something was up. And he had done that in the past a little bit of he'll poke, he would poke his head into my class and say, I need Max. And I would go out there and say hi to a coach or get on the phone or something. And uh, that was kind of just the, the deal a little bit, but I could tell this one was different. And he said, like, there's some, someone on the phone for you. And I could tell like coach Taylor, there was something goofy going on. And it was uh it was Nick Saban. And I remember uh, having a phone call with him in just the cafeteria, which was right outside the art class. And those are the moments that you look back on. I mean, like it, it's like the, the movie, the blind side where you see some of those recruiting scenes, like that's a kid's dream, right? I mean, I'm talking to the most, one of the most famous active coaches in, 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 in history. He's called me, he's trying to recruit me. Like those experiences are crazy. I mean, it's with uh, coming out of high, art class, like my high school girlfriend was right there. It was just a cool experience. And then with Bob Stoops, I'm, I flew out to Norman, Oklahoma, took an unofficial visit. And you have Bob Stoops in his pink uh, Mercedes. It was like his wife's car showing me around North, the, the campus. And like, he's recruiting me. I mean, it, it's absolutely crazy. I'm a kid from Sammamish, Washington, who uh, is out there with two of the most famous and best coaches of all time. Like, trying to have me go play football for them and get a free education. It was just uh, two cool experiences, two conversations. Oklahoma's offensive coordinator ended up watching a, a basketball game of mine. And they, uh, the, the game, I, I, I threw it, I threw down a dunk and they uh, ended up offering me after like, so the little, again, it was just little cool stuff like that was, uh, is stuff I'll always look back on and, uh, and, and, and have a place in my heart with. How was your, how was your hoop game? Like, do you, could you have gotten a full ride for, for, for hooping as well? Nah, when I stopped playing AAU, I, I, I lost my, my dribbling ability. And then, uh, I, I lost a little bit there. The, the, the comp I use for my game is like a, a, a Markeith Morris. So like, I'm a good, <laughs> I'm a good, like uh, a bigger, small forward, a smaller power forward. 
I can get out there, defend about three different positions. You kick a three ball to me, I'll knock it down, but I'll bring the intensity. Uh, I started for two years. So like I was solid, but I was, I was definitely a role player, not a, not a certified bucket getter. I was back. I wasn't, uh, in, in middle school, but not in high school. Yeah, that's fucking dope, dude. I'm just like, I just saw some, a little documentary on uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. And like those dudes just operate in such an unbelievable headspace. And I've gained a lot of appreciation for them, even though I'm not huge fans of those teams. Like, like those two dudes are just on different levels in their profession. Um, you really fucking, are. You know, year about year, this, like, what's that? I said just yeah for them to do that year after year after year they they have a, a higher a higher calling so yeah mad props to them I mean bro like 25 you're you're maybe at your first quarter of life like probably not even there yet with modern science and and good health practices um and I feel like you already have the material for a fucking epic novel of all these life stories have you thought about putting a book together I have. And, um, I, there were some interesting years there where, uh, I mean, I was in Pittsburgh, like by myself for, for a lot of that time. And so you had a lot of time by myself and I, I would jot down things in my notes section. And then in, in 2018, when I was training for the NFL and rehabbing my shoulder, I would sit at Starbucks all the time and jot down notes and, uh, just kind of flush out my brain. Uh, and that's one thing, maybe it's a good 2021 resolution. I need to be better at journaling because, you always hear it all the time, but I wish I could go back and tap into that mentality, but I've definitely thought about writing a book. Um, I would love to write a book on my playing career and just life as a bust. And, and, and maybe there's the title of the book, but uh, definitely thought about it. I don't know what's going to get me over the hump to actually make it happen, but uh, it'll happen one day. I, I'm sure of it. Yeah, man. I think just doing what you said, exactly that, like just putting some Google Docs together of all these different experiences and periods of your life. And I think eventually, like doing that 10, 20 minutes a day, you're going to accumulate so much, uh, so much epicness that needs to be shared with the world. Because I think your story is so powerful, whether it's sports or anything else where your expectations uh, externally and internally aren't met. And there's that disappointment, that sadness, that anguish, like, how do you respond? And I feel like you're responding the best way possible. Um, I'm curious to know, um, I saw a couple of videos and I listened to the podca podcast with your girlfriend, Victoria, who played volleyball at SC, right? She did. Yep. She was a libero at SC. She's two grades behind me. Okay. Got it. So so that relationship dynamic, you know, I, I just kind of jumped into a relationship myself. I know you've been doing this for a lot longer, so I feel like I could get some good feedback from you, but I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the divine feminine and divine masculine. I'm not, no. Okay, so basically like the divine masculine is showing up in a powerful present way. Like he's a king, he's a warrior but he also is just like the best lover and, and, and holds space for his woman. So I'm curious to know kind of the evolution over these last four or so years, what are some of the big takeaways that have allowed you guys to continue growing and evolving together? Yeah. Um, I think 
let's see here. Uh, I think one, right when you asked that question, the long distance relationship we had. One of the most healthy things ever. I, I think it established, uh, it forced us to communicate healthily, or I don't even know what's the word, in, in a healthy way. Um, and I think even more so, it allowed us both to establish two separate lives, which I think most couples do one life. And res I mean, respect, you got to do what you got to do. And once again, Gary V uh, principle, have self-awareness for what works for you. But for me, one thing that's brought a lot of happiness and fulfillment for us is we've had two separate lives that then we have now found a way to combine, combine together for one mega life, as I would like to say. And, and what I mean by that is, Vic has her own pursuits and we had the perspective enough to allow me to go chase something in New York and chase something in Pittsburgh at that time. And Vic, she runs a very successful podcast. She's a full-time public speaker and, and podcast host. And she does that in her own right. And she does some cool things on my end. I'm still trying to figure it out. The reality is I'm behind her. I'm older than her, but I'm behind her professionally. I'm still trying to figure out my broadcasting career. I'm still trying to figure out my, my business career, but seeing her success, it motivates me. It drives me. It's not something that is a, a hit to my ego. And the reality is I, 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 that might be the case for some guys. I, I, I really, I can't relate to that. Her success fires me up. Like that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's my girlfriend. Like that's exciting. It's, it's cool seeing, having her uh, have success, but I think our ability to communicate, we've done a good job of that. I think uh, our ability to like, just, be straight with one another, uh, no, no games, but also just support the vision uh, of, of your significant other. And if the person really means that much to you, you'll find a way to make it work. And I think we have done that. And I'm grateful she allowed me to make some of these big jumps and go to Pittsburgh and go to New York and, and uh, take a minimum wage job. And I'm about to take another commission-based job. Like those are not things that all couples would be willing to take on but I think we both see the North star of where we want to get to and uh, to get to that North star, you want to live a 1% life. As Gary V says, you got to do 1% things. And I think uh, that's always front of mind for us. Mm, yeah. One of the things that you mentioned that really caught my attention was that you guys had that time alone and that you, you are your individual selves building your own lives. But when you come together, you guys amplify all of that abundance, all of that impact. And I think oftentimes people get into relationships sometimes where it's like, this person completes me, like I need them. And that exactly. creates that sense of dependency, which obviously can have negative ramifications. Um, that's powerful. What would you say is like the number one, maybe the biggest thing that she's taught you during quarantine? Like what's the big, biggest thing that maybe you've learned from her during these last nine months? Vic works her ass off. And I think that's something that I feel like we, we both, both pride ourselves on, but from her specifically, I think the, the, the work ethic has been, is front of mind. I keep trying to come up with something different just to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more unique, but I mean, quarantine started right back in, in March. And I remember uh, Vic had a lot of her speaking gigs canceled. She has uh university's have her come speak to their athletes and their women's groups. And, and that's kind of how she makes a lot of her money. And uh, they were canceled, which I mean, she, she had that like a lot of people and right there, 
It was like, all right, what's the next step? What's the pivot? What, what, what can I do to, to elevate my brand and my business? And not in a selfish way, but in a way to um, allow me to live a certain life on, uh, down the road. And she started with, she did not have a TikTok presence at all. And she buckled down and made like four TikToks a day. And now she has like 650,000 followers on TikTok since like April 1. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe you're 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 big on TikTok as well, probably with a, with a similar mentality. And uh, like she just worked her ass off. And I think so often in life, we know what we need to do. We do. It's just a matter of can we implement it in our life? And I'm guilty of this. I should be on TikTok. TikTok. I should be better. But Vic, she knew the deal. She buckled down. She made it happen. And now people always say, oh, like, of course, right? Vic has all these followers on TikTok. Like, of course, uh, of course she does. This is great. But like, no, I saw behind the day, behind the scenes at the end of her day at four o'clock, like every single day, um, she's putting in a couple hours, getting those TikToks up and uh, her career's uh, really reaping the benefits of those, uh, of those actions. Hell yeah. I mean, especially too, if she's going after the people that she's really making a big impact on are Gen Z, right? They're high school athletes, they're college athletes. And yeah, it's been for, from watching from afar, like I haven't dove too deep into to her platforms, but I'm really impressed by the way that she has built diversity, right? Like she's leveraged one platform to build another, which I think is really dope. And, and she's just super engaging. Like I love the interview you guys did and like the different things you guys have done together and just like doing Q and A's and sharing stuff. And I think that's what the world needs more of. It's, it's refreshing. And Max, you mentioned North Star. Um, I'm curious to know, I know this is kind of an ever evolving thing, but you're 25. You've had a few unique experiences post your playing career. What does that North Star look like to Max Brown right now? Yeah, when people, when people bring up North Star or kind of purpose or things, the, the word that keeps coming back to me is, is legacy. And when it's all said and done, when uh, I'm, I'm an old guy, um, I, I, I just, I want to leave a, a legacy in this world. I want to be part of things that were moving the needle forward. I think that's a big reason why I went and worked for a guy like Gary. I went and worked for a guy like Lewis Howes. Um, I, I went to USC and I didn't go to maybe a smaller school is I wanted to be, I want to be right on the sun. Like I want to be part of things that are moving the needle forward. And um, candidly, I, I kind of struggle with the, what is your purpose question? I have not come across a good answer that really feels like it lights my heart on fire, but is also um, not like, yeah, it just, just, just feels authentic. I just, I feel like I've been blessed with a lot of, a lot of great, qualities uh, that I'm thankful for. And I've also had a lot of life experiences that there's this internal fire in me that I feel like I need to put those to use and that I need to live a life where um, I take advantage of those things. And I just, uh, one, of, one of my other favorite Gary V things is just seeing regret on someone's face is like the most painful thing. And I think that is definitely the case in my life of I don't have regrets in my playing career. I, I really don't. I really truly feel like I left. there's no stone left unturned. And that in itself has brought me so much peace post failure or post things not working out is I don't have regrets. And so there's this driving force in me to not have any regrets and keep pushing the, move, the needle forward and trying to attack the next big thing and do this and do that and, and all those things. And so 
it's, it's leaving a legacy. I think at the end of the day of, Hey man, that guy, he worked his ass off and he treated people right. And, uh, that that's just the legacy I want to live. And I think a lot of the, the whys and the hows and all that, I still like, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out in this post football life where, uh, for the first, I don't know, 18 years of my life or whatever, from five to 23, I lived life through a football first lens. And now at 25, it's just not the lens I'm living life through. And in large part, still trying to, trying to figure out uh, the, the steps in the past that I'm going to take. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I've, uh, I heard Sad Guru say that, uh, that purpose is something that is, is, is just continuing to tap into your curiosities. And like, what are those things that you are curious about? Like maybe you were curious about when you were eight or nine, but you weren't really able to pursue them fully because of football or another obligation. Are there any curiosities that you can think of maybe that you are excited to tap into in the near future? Dude, I'm, I'm telling your listeners, uh, my man Jeremy's asking some good questions. I'm not even just saying this to, to stroke the interviewer's ego, but like a lot of these points that you're saying are points that are fresh on my heart right now and are things that other podcasts I've been on kind of dance around, but you hit it uh, right away. And it's funny you say that because right now I mentioned that I'm trying to get into commercial real estate and I've had some early success in broadcasting. And there's a lot of people that in my life um, or not, or just people that say, oh, why aren't you going all in on broadcasting? Like, oh, what about broadcasting? What about broadcasting? And I still want to do broadcasting. I still want that to be a core part of my professional life. And I, I love it. But there's also part of me that for my entire life, I've always been Max Brown, the quarterback. I've always been Max Brown, the sports guy. And I don't see myself as a guy who talks sports every single morning, all day and all night, because the reality is my football career wasn't the best. And so there's part of me that the, I like, I really like football, but that 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 pure genuine love is not necessarily there. And there is that curiosity that you talk about um, that I do want to go explore other things. And that other thing, those other things right now for me is real estate. And why is the attraction there? I feel like a lot of the books I listen to, a lot of the speakers I listen to, a lot of the people I look up to, they have a foot in real estate. They That is one of the most valuable resources that we as humans use. And sure, there's a lot of people that are in that for selfish reasons and financial reasons. And I'm not like, sure, the financial upside is certainly an attraction to me, but I just like being in the heat. I like being in the fire. I like being around people that are moving the needle. And that world is definitely conducive to that lifestyle. And so right now, uh, kind of real estate's front of mine. Uh, I go through books phases and podcasting phases, and maybe I'll be a a host like yourself and I'll, the, the, the content world will always be front of mind to me having worked for Gary and for Lewis. I mean, little things like I'm a wine guy now I'm i I'm diving into whiskey a little bit, not to go like full hey. like alcohol mode, but Hey, you know, um, and little things like that, uh, that I'm always a curious guy. I'm always a, an interested guy. And I feel like every four or six months, there's a new thing that, uh, that piques my interest. And Hopefully I can keep diving in. And uh, I just think so often in life, we, we, we're, we're pegged to kind of this one lane. And I hope that my, my adult life um, is multiple lanes. And that's how it is for the guys I look up to. A Gary V, a LeBron James, uh, a Dwayne, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who I just saw uh, launch his own ice cream line. Like guys that are moving the needle, they, they have multiple lanes. They have multiple interests. And 
I hope that uh, that, that, that my uh, professional life takes a maybe not a similar path to LeBron and the rock, but at least a, a similar mentality. Yeah, for sure. I think also what those guys both embody is like they have big hearts and they're using their platform. They're using all of the income to generate more impact in the world. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like growing up for me, like in a Jewish family, you know, there's a lot of scarcity mindset around money. Uh, it's like, it's like we make money, we save money, but it's like sometimes spending it or just like treating ourselves to something is frowned upon. And we have this mindset about money that money's the root of all evil. But with people like you and myself, it's like, no, we have more money. We have more resources. That means we can help more people and ultimately leave a greater legacy. That is perfectly worded. Uh, abundance mindset in, in, in all of life. But yeah, especially with finances, you get it gets pegged in a negative light, a selfish light. But the reality is money is a tool. Money can be a tool. And uh, I think it's up to the person to be self-aware and have the perspective and make sure they're not going down an ego trip and not doing the money just so they can buy a Range Rover to impress their high school friends and all that. No, it's it, it's doing money to, uh, or, or having money to, like you said, leave an impact. And I said legacy earlier, but impacts right there. Legacy and impact in this world, world, that to me is how you get fulfillment. And fulfillment is uh, the fast track to happiness and happiness should be the North Star for all of us. Uh, and so whatever that, wh whatever that means for you in terms of the fulfillment thread, I know for me, that's, what, that's, the, that's the path I'm trying to get, uh, get going down. That was super dope. We're going to have to clip that for some micro content. I love that. Fulfillment or impact is the North Star because that leads to fulfillment. And when you're fulfilled, ultimately your ROI is happiness. And it's a great uh, bridge to, to, to achieve that. Max, how are you doing on time, bro? Uh, I'm good. I probably got uh, like 15 more minutes, 10, 15 more minutes. Perfect. So a couple of things I wanted to, to ask you then in this time that we have remaining. So I believe a few months ago or earlier this year, uh, they passed some sort of regulation or law that college athletes now can make money from their name and likeness. And, you know, for years, there's been debate about should college athletes be paid in addition to their scholarship and stuff like that. I'm curious to know, where do you stand on all of that? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I haven't heard someone bring it up in, in a little while. And there was a bunch of news of that right before COVID. Uh, and it's kind of confusing because one state will pass legislation. But the reality is it's still in the governing body of the NCAA. So the state of California can do a lot. But if you're still part of the NCAA, they abide to a different rule book. And there's kind of the back and forth there. And Florida is doing one thing and California is doing one thing. And so it's, it's even confusing to me. But uh, I definitely am in the camp where um, student athletes should get uh, should get paid and uh, and when I or at least have the ability or should own their likeness, I guess, is the technical uh, technical term or be able to monetize their likeness is the, uh, the the technical term. And it's funny. This was like the go to thesis subject of a lot of my college papers, as you could probably imagine, of like, hey, like argue a, a subject you're passionate about. And this was one of them. And, and to me, I think it, it's very delicate with hey, if you pay. The football player, you have to pay the women's soccer player and a lot of those Title IX. There's like a lot of issues at play. But I think 
the very the, the great starting point is allowing, like they are doing, allowing students to monetize their likeness. And what that means is Max Brown can host Max Brown quarterbacking camp, just like Victoria Garrick, my girlfriend, can can host Victoria Garrick volleyball camp. And if her brand, which is much bigger than mine right now, if she, she will make more money than me. But the reality is most football players have bigger brands and they'll make more money than the soccer players, but that at least gives them the same opportunity. And it allows guys to get money from uh, sales of jerseys and whatnot. And I think that is the, 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 the most even playing field is the ability to at least monetize on that. Cause there's goopy rules that I think a lot of people aren't wary of, of like, I couldn't host my own camp when I was playing. Um, I couldn't, there's, and there's unique ways where I think, like linemen will get paid by the local barbecue joint to have dinner there. And then fans will come in there and, and, and it'll be like an attraction thing. And there's, I think uh, you're going to get guys that uh, will get compensated to go to like kids birthday parties and be a guest uh, for like a, a little elementary school birthday party. There's going to be oh. unique ways where guys are going to get money, uh, uh, get, get money, both female and, and, and male. And uh, that to me is, is the most natural way to, to, to have it come about without tapping into true on salaries and stuff like that. Yeah. I I a hundred percent agree about the name and likeness. It's like, you have such a small window of opportunity to capitalize and, and really make the most of this gift that you've created for yourself. And just the same way someone at USC right now, who's just a normal student, they can build a brand, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is, and monetize however much they want. Like, there you go. And that double standards always kind of the paying athletes, like you said, with all the title nine gets very tricky. And then like recruiting wars, I feel like get even more sticky. Good point. Uh, so I think, I think like you mentioned, this is a great place to start. Um, Max, I'm curious to know, bro. So it's your last meal, right? Uh, You've left you've left that incredible legacy. You've impacted millions of people through your storytelling, through all of the other work that you've done, exploring all those curiosities. You get to have your final supper with three people. Uh, They can be dead or alive. I'm curious to know who are those three people and what are you having on the, on the dinner table? Uh, Are we talking like, like people outside my family. Cause I feel like family, exactly. Yeah. All right. Outside my family, those that are listening and know me, they already know the first one. Uh, and the first one's going to be LeBron. I'm a huge LeBron guy. If you can see the other wall right there. Um, I mean, I just admire a lot of the, the, the subjects we've talked about in terms of wearing pressure, living up to expectations, all those things. Sure. His play on the basketball court. I love that obviously, but I, I just, I love what he's about. So LeBron's one. Uh, who else? Um, honestly, I, who else would it be? I'd probably go like, you got to go in different ages a little bit. So I'd probably go like Abraham Lincoln. Um, hey. I'll throw him in there. I mean, uh, we're talking about little good guy, Abe. Um, no, I feel obligated to have guys from different generations, uh, guys that are cutting edge thinkers that aren't afraid to go against the grain that aren't afraid to stand up for humanity and what's right and lead people. And uh, especially during trying times. And I just think it'd be sick to, 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 to talk to Abraham Lincoln. And then the last spot, okay. the last spot, um, 
I'll go. I'll go with the rock. I'll, I'll go the rock, um, which that might be goofy. I'm trying to think who else is out there. I mean, see, I know Gary, like, so in terms of mentors, like with all due respect, Gary, uh, I know Gary. So the, 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 the intrigue is, is maybe not, uh, not as much as, or the unknown, maybe as some of these other guys, Bill Gates would be sick as well, but I'll start with the rock. And I think a lot of these guys are just super forward thinkers. They're just, um, and not that I know them to, to, to a man, but they, 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 I feel like they have warm hearts and they're empathetic and they want to move humanity forward and they want to be them be- their best self. And they challenge themselves on a day-to-day basis and they hold themselves to a high standard and they're part of different, different arenas and they, uh, fall back on their relationships and their people first people, uh, their orient- people first people. And, uh, I think, and they're fun and I can be good dudes. They both have, uh, LeBron and the rock both have different tequila lines. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how LeBron Abraham- has a tequila line? or he's like, uh, I saw recently I got notifications for it. It's called Lobos. He's like a, uh, chair chairman partner. I'll, 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 I'll shoot you a link after this, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see if Abraham Lincoln can uh, can hold his weight there. But those will be my final three, for sure. One of the things that strikes me, like when I when I study high performers, is like especially with athletes too. You know, I, I listen to a lot of stuff with like I'm a huge tennis fan. So like, you know, I'm a huge fan of like Nadal and Djokovic, just Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. And and like if you look at these guys along with people like LeBron, they've had the same team for their entire career. And I think that's not a coincidence. That level of trust and stability when you have a high profile is paramount. So totally. And I think think it's, it's, it's wanting those people in your inner circle to, to be great. And I think a lot of people see their inner circle as competition, like not Mm -hmm. some people, right. It's, Hey, if I win, that means someone else loses, or I have to, I have to have the status. So then I'm cooler than everyone else. Like LeBron, like Rich Paul is literally the most powerful agent in the NBA for sure right now, but you can make the argument in sports and that's LeBron's like childhood bud, or I believe that's the backstory from like Akron. Like he didn't have some famous education or anything like that. Maverick Carter is obviously a, a business mogul in his own right now but his own circle is eating. And I think that's a healthy mindset of just because I'm winning doesn't mean that someone else has to lose. Let's all win together and live this dope life and leave a legacy and leave an impact. All those guys are certainly wired in that way. Hey, I love that. That's well said. Okay. So, but final, final couple rapid fire, because this is thrive university. I'm curious to know what is maybe one thing that you wish you were taught in school. Is there one thing that stands out? Yeah. Right. When you say that, it's funny, uh, like investing, like money, stocks, investing taxes to me, it is absolutely ridiculous. And maybe that's uh, too, too technical of an answer you were looking, then you were looking for, but to me, it's absolutely ridiculous that that's like the, one of the most important aspects of being a, an adult. And it is not taught to you in in schools so rapid fire i'll go with that one hey are there any are there any recent say that again at least in like my high school uh in college obviously you can take some classes but those should be just 
generic education classes everyone should take and be well-versed in. Are there any investments you've made, whether it's real estate ETFs or something like that, that stand out to you that really paid off? I just got in the stock market game uh, this summer. So I'm, I'm very, very new, just doing basic like index funds. Very, very, very safe. Uh, in terms of investment in my life that have worked off, I mean, invested in people uh, to a T like so much of, Hey, something, I, something I did in 2014, I don't see the benefits of it until four or five years later, but it'll be a conversation. Here's a perfect example for you. This girl I went to college with, we ran in similar circles. We weren't the best of friends in college, but had some mutual friends, would, would go to a party, would see each other at parties and stuff. We were nice to each other. My friend group was nice to her. It was cool. Fine. So we were the football players, whatever. Five years later, four years later, I'm interviewing at a company right now. And this guy that I'm hoping we'll see if I get a job. Maybe it'll be funny to clip this if things work out. Um, this girl I went to school with, I noticed worked for him. And so I called her up and said, Hey, I'm interviewing with this guy. Can you help me up? Kind of thing is, Oh, this is my uh, best family friend from childhood. I'd be happy to give you a wreck. Let me pick up the phone. I'll call him right now. She calls him, was able to get on the phone with him later and we'll see where the job goes. But the reason I bring that up is it would have been so easy as the football players and all that to not give people the time of the day, like a lot of football players do, that, hey, just be nice to everyone. Invest in everyone. You have no idea how it'll come back to you. And uh, I feel like there's multiple occasions in my life where um, that has definitely shown its, 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 its face to be true. Awesome. Uh, Max, I'm curious to know, is there any question that – you want to be asked that maybe you haven't been? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, not really, to be honest, uh, or at least nothing that, 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 that comes like uh, front of front of mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, you asked a bunch of good ones today. Appreciate that, homie. And what are your three keys to not settle for mediocrity, to really step into a life of abundance and to fully thrive? as the name of this podcast suggests? Three keys, three keys. Um, I'll go with one we already talked about, but it's so crucial. Uh, in my own life and the life I've observed from others, the most painful thing is regret. That is the hardest thing to get over. It's harder than a tough workout. It's harder than, than getting than eating right, getting up for all that stuff. Regret is something that eats at you. And so do, what, do, t do things today that uh, will limit that ability excuse me, that ability or the, the potential to have regret. I think uh, two is, uh, I guess I'll do two separate ones. I'm the two words I'm huge on in my life uh, are self-awareness for one and perspective in the other. Self-awareness. I think this is a, a trait that a lot of people maybe uh, struggle with a little bit. And there's, if you are self-aware, if you are wary of what you need to do to be better, if you are wary of your weaknesses and your strengths and where you can take action today to better yourself in those regards, self-awareness is key in all aspects of life for improving yourself, improving your relationships, all that. And then perspective at the end of the day, um, for most of us that have the luxury of being able to sit down in a chair, in a car, wherever, to listen to this podcast, we're blessed. And the perspective is, the perspective that we have to be living in 2020, even it's a terrible year, it's a lot better of a life for most of us 
than living in 1820 or 1720 or all that. And perspectives like that, even if you are having your worst days, um, which I've had my, my fair share of uh, in years past, like keep in perspective of uh, at the end of the day, we were able to wake up, live a life and uh, have an internal sense of, uh, of gratitude and not in a foo-foo way, but in a way where it's like, you know what? It could be worse and have that competitor mentality in you to uh, attack the day that you've, uh, you've been given. It's kind of how I'm wired day in and day out. I appreciate you, brother. I want to acknowledge you, Max, for just showing up in such a powerful way and for sharing your story in a way that probably was not easy at first, but in a way that I know is empowering others to stop hiding and to fully embrace their failures and and their reality. And I think you are using your platform for so much good. And I can't wait to continue watching your journey. And I appreciate you, brother. Likewise, Jeremy, this interview was awesome. Pumped, uh, pumped her over to link up. And uh, seriously, this interview was a blast. You're, uh, you're a stud and pumped to follow this, this uh, or more of your content moving forward. And uh, thanks for having me on, bro. Hell yeah. All right, fam, you know what time it is. It's time to implement, like Max said. It's time to implement, like Max said. Implement these divine downloads now. Take action. Do not let this shit go in one ear and out the other. You already know what time it is. It's time to stop settling for mediocrity. Thank you so much for listening until the end of the show. And I don't know about you, fam, but... I was really inspired by this conversation with Max because he had a failure, but not only did he fail, it was public. There was articles written, there was blogs and videos and all of these people throwing shade at him, but he never allowed this experience to affect his future. And I love the resilience he's shown moving forward. And I think we can all learn a valuable lesson from Max to not let our failures define us. And my dad actually told me a quote the other day that hit me so hard. He said, the definition of a winner is a loser who tried one more time. And I think we can all benefit from adopting that mindset in 2021 to really continue moving forward regardless of the failures, regardless of the setbacks and pitfalls, because you are resilient, I am resilient, and we together are even more resilient. I love you so much, fam, and it genuinely means the world that you listened to today's show and spent some of your valuable time here with me today. And just a couple things before I close this off, you know, it would mean the world if you shared this show, if you got any sort of value from it, share it on your story on Instagram, tag me on Instagram and tag Max at Max Brown with an E at the end. And let us know what your biggest takeaway was. And also, if you feel called to, leaving a review helps so much because that allows us to reach more people and make a greater impact. And ultimately, that's the mission here at Thrive University is to reach more people, change more lives, and just continue shining a bright light on humanity. So thank you so much, fam. I love you. And again, if you need any of those links or anything else, just hit the show notes and you'll find everything you need. I love you so much. 
Have an amazing day and you already know what time it is. It's time to keep pushing forward and never give up and thrive.